The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. The middle of the week arrives with a bang, ladies and gentlemen, with a bang, a big Tuesday to recap. I knew it, too. Remember on yesterday's podcast when I said, boy, guys, I'm pretty sure that this Tuesday card is going to be more interesting with fewer games than the Monday card. Didn't I say that? Damn right I said that yesterday, and it was Tuesday did not disappoint. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, friends. I am Dan Bespris, and this, of course, is a hoop ball presentation as I adjust my squeaky microphone here in the middle of doing the show intro. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, and you can follow hoop ball at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter or just go to hoop-ball.com. That's the website. Check out all the wares over at HoopBall. Free stuff, subscription stuff, whatever you got, do check that out post-haste. I realize that lately I might be promoting too many things on the podcast on a per-game basis. See, that's my per-game numbers. My per-game numbers are too cluttered right now. My totals, they're solid. I'm a solid uh, compiler of stats over the course of the year. But we got to get the per-game stuff in check here. So on today's podcast... Outside of the advertisers, because we got to hit them up. That's how we pay the bills around here. The internal things. I've been talking to you guys about recruiting and uh, contests and all that good stuff. So today, Wednesday, we're going to focus exclusively on the recruiting pitch. So I want you guys to really pay close attention to this one. We are recruiting for social media and DFS. Social media and DFS right now over at HoopBall. If you've been thinking about hitting me up, do it. Today's the day. I implore you to shoot me a line. Either on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. That is team, T-E-A-M, not teen, I don't know if anybody's ever done that misspelling. I don't know what that is, but don't go there. The government will seize your computer. Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. I want to hear from you guys. Now, that could be just an inquiry. Hey, I was interested in learning more. Uh, it could be a very serious application. Whatever it might be, I'm happy to quickly chat with you guys off air, basically, about it, and uh, see if there might be a fit there. So DFS... Social. That's what we're looking for over here at Hoop Ball right now. Shoot me a line. We'll talk about it. Let's talk about Tuesday because I'm actually really excited to get into this breakdown. I know it's the following morning, and so a lot of the stuff in your leagues has, has taken place when a, a player of Moses Brown's caliber emerges. I know that wasn't even the first game on the card yesterday, but the first game on the card was, for all intents and purposes, a pretty boring fantasy game. One of the very few. Boston and Utah at this point are relatively predictable. The only thing that jumped up was that Tristan Thompson entered health and safety protocol. So Daniel Tice got a little bonus run, and he did good stuff with it. 15-11, six assists, and a three ball. Tice generally finds himself in foul trouble, and that today was no different. But with only two centers on the board, that meant a ton of Time Lord, who actually just had a 
I don't call it quiet because it was still a good ball game. Seven out of ten shooting, fourteen and nine with a couple of blocks. But you figured in twenty-two minutes he might just go completely bananas. Remember though, it's against Utah, and when he's told, "Look, you got to stay on the floor a little bit longer," he probably, like most of these guys, see it with Mitchell Robinson annually. Jaron Jackson Jr. kind of the same story. As guys learn how to play without fouling, they also, you know, the defensive stats maybe slide back a little bit. Still, if someone was like, Robert Williams is going to get you 21, 22 minutes a game, you'd be like, oh, hell yeah. So roll that sucker out there and enjoy. Also, you know what? I I lied. This game actually did have a couple of things to mention. Uh, Joe Ingles has quietly been kind of not bad, even in a reserve role lately. I don't know if something woke him up or what. He's now number 105 on the season overall, and very quietly, guys, has been solid, even with or without Mike Conley in the lineup. A somewhat unsustainable field goal percent recently has been the uh, the positive culprit, and he's shooting 52% from the field on the year with two-and-a-half three-pointers a game. Yeah, I mean, you look at that, and you're like, okay, that maybe that doesn't stick. But look, we're already almost 40 games into the season, so maybe it will. Counterpoint, maybe it will. His steals are down this year. I don't know that that's coming back. Utah is not a gambling team in general on the defensive side. He did have one yesterday. Uh, but Joe Ingles kind of turned into a little bit of a streamer with benefits. He got that starting role when Conley went down for a week or two. And he's just been good and confident ever since. I don't know why I didn't mention him earlier. He's not on many waiver wires. He wasn't even on them when he was playing poorly. So maybe that's why I didn't bring it up. His ownership is is pretty high for someone who, until Conley went down, was not putting up good numbers. But he's been pretty good lately. So just give a quick check on your league seat. Make sure that Ingles isn't floating around out there. And now we move on to the game that I thought was the most fun. This was our homework game. And I'm glad we made it the homework game. Because we got all sorts of data points from Thunder at Bulls. Let's start with the easier side of the two. That's the Chicago side. The uh, lineup tweak, which, look, I mean, if you're going to make a lineup tweak, you do it against two bad teams. The Raptors with missing their entire starting lineup, and now the Thunder missing some of their starting lineup. 60% of it? Yeah, 60% of their starting lineup. So, sure, if you're going to trot out a brand new starting lineup, you do it against teams that you think you can beat. And, uh, look, Billy Donovan is a smart coach. You make an adjustment when you feel like it's going to have positive results, and then your players are more likely to stick with it. Tomas Sadoransky, Thad Young, into the Bulls' starting lineup. And Thad, again, he could he would have played more if this was a closer ball game. Same with Levine. Uh, same with Markkinen. Patrick Williams was the only complete and total flop in the starting five. Uh, Bulls, by the way, on a back-to-back here, so you'll get another look at it tonight. Levine had 40 on 20 shots. I'd call that pretty good. Sato, 13 points, 7 assists, 3 steals. Nice little well-rounded performance. Again, he's, he's going to be a high-floor, low-ceiling kind of guy because he only took 7 shots in his 31 minutes on the floor. That's going to be the thing here. So if he's not making a bunch of them or if he has a game where the 3 ball or the steals aren't coming... Yeah, you're going to get like an 8.5 assist, one steal game, and you're going to think, should I dump this guy? And the answer is no, because it levels off. We talked about it extensively 
on yesterday's podcast how Sadoransky has top kind of 80, 85 upside, so not crazy high, but top 110-ish kind of floor. He's very locked in there in starters minutes, and it's it's simple. I love what this has done for Thad Young. He's basically a point center in the Bulls' starting unit. 17 points, 9 boards, 6 assists, 2 steals on 8 out of 11 shooting. There is there's a lot to like about Thad Young right now. I mean, this is... I, I, I honestly can't believe it that he's still a top 80 value on the season after that slow start. He's basically been a top 60 player for the last two months now. At uh, you know over that stretch he's around like 13 14 points, 7 8 rebounds, 4 5 assists, good defensive numbers. Yeah, we know he doesn't shoot three balls, but at this point who cares? He's abandoned the three, so his field goal percent is great. He's passing out of the high post and the and the low post. And other guys are just open all the time cuz he's making good reads and if guys give him room to operate, he has 900 little trickery shots with the left. And he's scoring on them. I mean, it's been unbelievable. I, I, in a thousand years, and you guys know, Thad Young has been one of our favorite guys on this podcast for years. And then finally last season, I was like, damn it, the Bulls ruined him. He comes roaring back this year. What a wonderful, wonderful story. I'm telling you, man, I'm going to go out in that Top Shot marketplace by myself a Thad Young moment, I think. <laughs> I got a pack yesterday, guys. I got Serge Ibaka, Troy Brown Jr., and Maxi Kleba. Is it? Could there be any more perfect a pack for me than those three guys? By the way, shout out to uh, Dan Yu, who gifted me a P.J. Tucker moment. That is absolutely hilarious. You're the man. You're the man. I think I'm just at Dan Bespris over there on Top Shot. I don't know how any of that stuff works. All I know is that I got in line and I got a pack, and it's like the prototypical old man squad moment pack. I don't think it's worth anything. Who cares? It was funny. It was fun. It was nine bucks. That was uh, worth the entertainment value alone, I suppose. Uh, back to the box scores here. I don't know. Can you guys friend me? You can friend me on that if that's a thing. I sound like such an old man. I friended you. As far as the guys moving to the Bulls bench, Kobe White will be better than this on most nights. He played 28 minutes, so I'm not super worried there, and he's a points league guy anyway. Wendell Carter Jr. is your worry point because now his minutes have gone away. He wasn't good even with the minutes, and now the minutes are gone. So to me, he's a drop. And I don't know, maybe he gets it pulled around and they readjust things again, but I'm not going to bank on that. We're late enough in the year, and there are too many interesting options out there to sit on someone who's just not performing. Now, let's talk Thunder, because this, this was fun. This was real fun and real interesting. Moses Brown, 30 minutes, fouled out. That'll happen. I think won't be the last time. 20 points, 16 rebounds, and 5 blocks. Wow. Wow. What'd he go? 9 for 16 shooting? 10 or 9? 9 or 10 for 16 shooting. I don't have the number in front of me. 2 for 3 at the free throw line, where he's actually not bad, by the way. He's not a terrible foul shooter. A lot of times you see these high-flying kind of spindly big men that are just figuring things out. I think he's seven foot two, uh, just blocking everything. And usually those guys are terrible at the foul line, but he's actually not that awful there. We, we talked about what to do with the Thunder. I can't remember if it was yesterday's show or Monday's show, and we spent a ton of time on why Moses Brown was actually the more interesting pickup between Brown and Roby 
and even Pokashevsky. And the reasoning for those that missed that show, quick recap here, is that with Pokashevsky, his value right now at least is tied almost exclusively to the fact that Darius Baisley is injured. There's a little bit of a streamer with benefits element to Poku in that Baisley could come back and maybe they still try to get Pokashevsky, you know, 22, 23, 24 minutes, something like that, and kind of carve it out from somewhere else on the team, Kenrich Williams or Darius Miller or, or Justin Jackson or something like that. So maybe they run big for stretches. But the other side of this is that Poku, just just the eye test alone, he's not ready to run with NBA players. I know he had that big ball game, and that was sweet. Uh, and he had eight rebounds in this one, and that was great too. But he's, I mean, he's built like me, which... I realize this is an audio podcast, so uh, you don't really know what I'm talking about here. But I would I would tell you guys to just do a Google image search for Alexei Pokashevsky and look at what he looks like on a basketball court. He he legit looks like a giant high schooler playing with grown men. Uh. He's listed at 7 feet 200 pounds, but if that dude is 200 pounds, then I'm a buck 85. Alexei Pokashevsky is not 200 pounds. He's probably about a buck 75. He is, like, there's some strength, but there's no bulk of any kind. So he's just going to get moved around by NBA players right now. Even some of the youngest NBA players are. Like, he reminds me a little bit of what KD looked like when he first came into the league. Just in terms of just body type and build, I'll say this: he's extraordinarily unique, and the future is very cool. So if you're in a dynasty format, he's a guy you almost definitely want to squad on, because he's probably the center of the future on that team as he fills out a little bit. He's been playing more power forward here, just basically because if you put an actual 200 plus pound guy on Pokashevsky, they'll just move him like a toothpick. So what you saw in yesterday's ballgame was actually Poku playing some small forward. Isaiah Roby and Moses Brown were all starting together. When Baisley comes back, I think that probably pushes Pokashevsky out of the starting lineup. He just, like, he's, there are good things there. There are flashes, but he's not NBA ready yet. Isaiah Roby is a bit closer in that he can handle, he's bigger, stronger, uh, he had a good ball game yesterday, by the way. 11 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, 1 3-pointer. He gets more steals than blocks from the big man spot. Not really a 3-ball guy. I know he hit one yesterday, but I wouldn't count on that. And his rebounding is fine. Unspectacular and fine. I like Roby because I think you probably see, at some point, you probably see Horford just get fully shut down. And, and this ball game was kind of a precursor to that because uh, there was no Horford. And I believe the note was that it was the first time he's sat out back-to-back games all season long. And the Thunder, I think, are now off for a couple of ball games for their next one. So you'll probably see Horford for that game. At which point, we will have a decision on our hands. Do we trot out Roby, Brown, Pokashevsky, any of those guys, as people come back for the Thunder? And it's going to... This is a hard pill to swallow, but I think the answer is no. I think you bench guys when Baisley and Horford come back and just, at least for one game, see what are the Thunder trying to do 
down the stretch minutes-wise. Is it going to be a timeshare? Is it going to be one game where Horford plays 30 minutes and then he sits for two games? And in those two games, you can trot out Moses Brown, Irobi, and whoever else you want to do. We just don't know, and they're not going to tell us either. They're not going to telegraph it. That would be lovely. I'm sure the fantasy community would love a reporter to be like, hey, Mark Dignalt, uh, what days are you going to play these guys? Yeah, that's not going to happen. Moses Brown, of course, uh, we, we, we have to talk about him because uh, shout out to our buddy Jonas Nader, who I think I, I think I even did that on the show a couple days ago for mentioning him on a real big three episode about a month ago. As a result, uh, as soon as we saw him playing 26 minutes in a couple of ball games, I snatched him up almost everywhere. I have a ton of Moses Browns on my team. And then this one, uh, as soon as I heard Horford wasn't starting and Brown was, I dumped him in there because you knew it was going to be a high scoring fun one with the Bulls. And it paid off in a big, big way. Uh, I do think that some of Moses Brown's value is tied to Horford resting or not. It has to be. Some of it has to be. Maybe not all, but some. Because remember, a couple games back, with Baisley out and Horford in, Brown still played about 26 minutes. So it wasn't, it wasn't a complete and total loss. He played 19 his first game on the 11th, then 27 against New York. That was the game where Horford was in. Uh, fouled out against Memphis in 24 minutes. That's a tough matchup with JV. And then here against Markinen, who's not going to take him to the rack every time, uh, he made it 30 minutes before he fouled out. Their next game is, uh, oh, I scratched that. Tomorrow, they are actually in Atlanta tomorrow. So the Thunder are, are back on the board on uh, on Thursday. And we don't know if Clint Capella is playing, but if he's not, there's going to be John Collins and Danilo Gallinari at the center spot. But it could also be an Al Horford game. So we've got all these things kicking around on the Thunder, and it does make it tough. What I would say is this. There's no blanket thing you can do with these players. You're going to have to watch the injury report leading up to the ball game. If we find out that Horford is in and Roby is starting at power forward, or Pokashevsky starting at power forward, and Roby and Brown are both coming off the bench, I think you probably bench both of them just to see what happens. Because Pokashevsky might actually be the starter alongside Horford in that matchup. You could also make the argument that Horford and Brown could, or Roby, could play together. Because Big Al doesn't have to be right near the bucket. He's better when he is, but he doesn't have to be. It seems like the Thunder want to see what they have with Brown, with Roby, with Pokashevsky, and I think they have a better idea of what of what Poku uh, is or will be, just based on kind of okay, this is a guy where we need to like put him in with the trainers for an off season and really get him NBA ready. I could actually make the same argument with Moses Brown, who's also a pretty thin guy, but uh, a bit thicker than Alexi. Uh, so let's reassess tomorrow. We can do it on social media, at Dan Vespers. When we get the news on who's starting for the Thunder in their game in Atlanta, then we'll make our call. But obviously, if you hadn't picked him up yet, you were picking him up now, and you probably missed the chance. But hopefully, this podcast got you guys out in front of it when we talked about him two days ago. I said, look, this is a guy you got to get on early, because if he explodes, it's going to be too late. But yeah, I like both Brown and Roby down the stretch. That's the sort of short version of all of this. And I, I do think that... You know, if you're in a head-to-head league with unlimited games, you could just trot them out there and not worry about it. Roto Games Cap, you do need to be aware of who else is actually playing. Let's move through the rest of the card a little bit more quickly. Atlanta, no Capella, so kind of the same stuff you got in the previous game. Clint comes back. 
That'll shove everybody down. The only other note on the Atlanta side, and nothing from this ballgame, is that DeAndre Hunter might make his return for that game against the Thunder tomorrow, presumably for about 15 minutes or so, but uh, that will likely carve into the Gallo minutes. Probably uh, the Tony Snell minutes will get chewed up a bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's stashed by now, so nothing to worry about there. Houston, uh, we already have word prior to recording this podcast that Christian Wood will make his return for the Rockets tonight. They're hoping to have John Wall back later this week. Oladipo sitting this one out because of the back-to-back. So you get a whole new look again. Justin Patton, who had already pretty much disappeared, is now, uh, I think you can retire his uh, streaming value. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. is a guy you're just rolling with until the wheels come off. He'll probably do a bit less when John Wall comes back, but he'll still be in there. Jay Sean Tate picking it up. I don't know where all the three balls came from, but you're not going to argue with it. And then Sterling Brown, eight points, 11 rebounds, two steals, and a block. Talked about him being someone that we were sort of interested in as well. Uh, Daniel House apparently is also close to a return. The problem, of course, here is that it creates this annoying carousel of who is and who is not worth streaming on a nightly basis. Uh, K.J. Martin, 7.5 boards, couple of blocks. Does his value dissipate when Wood and House and Depot, who, again, sitting this one out, what about when all those guys are playing? I don't like those question marks. I'm in a lot of games cap formats where I guess it's a little easier because you could just, you know, pick up like a Jay Sean Tate and play him when a bunch of guys are missing. Kind of same story for K.J. Martin, Sterling Brown, whatever. But if you're in a head-to-head format where you need to be able to trot these guys out and you have a certain number of games you can use, moves cap, weekly moves limits, that type of stuff, when you're uh, when you're running out Sterling Brown and in the middle of the week maybe Daniel House comes back and just takes his minutes, that'd be a real pisser. I do think that's what happens. I think Sterling Brown's the guy who loses minutes to Daniel House. But we shall see. Um, quickly here, Kevin Porter, yeah, must-start guy. Jay Sean Tate, uh, must-own. I don't know that it's must-start. Brown, more of a streamer. Be ready to dump if guys do come back. KJ Martin, kind of the same story there. But these guys could all become more important if the Rockets do ultimately just kind of pull the plug on Depot and Wall. Uh, and then you've got just... Wings for days. The upside there is, well, a little bit capped. Uh, we know Tate, he's going to get you steals in general. I, again, I don't know what this this line was pretty unusual for him. I don't know that we can expect him to duplicate all the three balls and all the assists that he racked up in this one, but, you know, cool. Uh, Sterling Brown is a guy that I know I said you could probably count on him with, a, with the floor. With House coming back, I don't think I would use up a move there. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable throwing into my lineup in almost any scenario outside of relatively deep leagues. Kind of the same story with K.J. Martin. I know his minutes have been good, but uh, I, I am genuinely concerned that I would dump him into a lineup and he plays 22 minutes and doesn't do anything. Tate, I think you can at least assume, like he's getting a starting job. That's And that one's not going away. Tate, Tate is the starter on this team, I think even when everybody is healthy. Because Wall coming back would push Porter up to shooting guard and Depot probably up to small forward. Tate would move, would stick at power forward. Christian Wood would play center. Uh, Eric Gordon out for a long while. He'd be probably coming off the bench anyway. 
House off the bench, Brown off the bench, K.J. Martin off the bench. So that's your likely, I believe, Rockets lineup going forward. And that's why uh, Porter is at the top of that list, but Tate is kind of the second one of these uh, non, non-household name guys on the Houston Rockets. Philly beat the Knicks in a tighter ball game. Sixers finally had to play a close one. Nerlens Noel! I told you guys to hang on there. Six points, eight boards, a steal, four blocks, three out of three shooting. A very good night for our buddy Nerlens. Tosh Gibson, 19 and change minutes. That's a little bit more like it. Emmanuel, quickly, a uh, quieter performance here on the, uh, the back end of their back-to-back, but a more efficient one. And just, you know, generally a low-scoring ball game. You can probably move on from quickly now. The stream there was because they had the back-to-back. And who knows? Do we see Peyton or Rose? Both those guys are somewhat close. And when they come back, quickly disappears. Uh, Burks goes back to being more fringy. I'm not super interested in the, uh, the short-term stream going on there anymore. Philly is, you know, they are what they are. Dwight Howard... Came off the bench behind Tony Bradley, picked up uh, more of the center minutes. I'm too worried about the free throw shooting to dive in face first on that stuff. So uh, I'm going to leave that one be. Miami beat Cleveland by 15. Bam came back, played 30 minutes, which uh, left a, a big chunk for Kelly Olynyk. So maybe the stream is not dead yet. Kelly is on a furious run right now. So keep rolling him out there. Duncan Robinson a little bit better again. Signs of life for Duncan. You do certainly need to need the three-pointers to make that plunge, but at least he's slowly moving. He's at 135 now in nine caddy. I think he was at 140 before this ballgame. So little by little. Meanwhile, our buddy Kelly Olenek back inside the top 100. Thank the good Lord. Didn't know how he was going to get there, but I did predict it, so hopefully that holds as well. Cleveland side, Larry Nance back with full force, 37 minutes. I know he didn't get all of the stuff that you wanted in this game, but hard to complain. 14-9-4, steal a block and a three-pointer. Hello, Larry. Hope you guys stashed. That should be a pretty easy one the rest of the way. Barring a trade. Uh, I have no idea how the Pelicans blew this game to the Blazers, but we had Pels plus two as our bet of the day, so that worked out all right. Lonzo, 17 assists. Nikhil Alexander-Walker had his first big game in a while, but, yeah, who cares? And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Pelicans are just not super interesting unless they move somebody. Portland, C.J. McCollum back 26 minutes in his return, and they were rusty. Shot 3-4-11. I think he hit his first two of his first three shots and two free throws. He had eight points, like, right out of the gate, and then he had two the rest of the ballgame, which, yeah, I mean, the adrenaline wore off, but good to see him log 26 minutes. Gary Trent had one more good one in the chamber, but that's on its way out. And uh, this is a great sign for Portland, you know, to have CJ back. And now it's just a matter of how long it takes to shake off the rust. Lakers beat up on Minnesota. Took them a while to wake up, but then they put the clamps on. Ricky Rubio double-doubled. He's getting all he can before D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley come back. Kind of the same story for Anthony Edwards, who had 29 points. He's on a little bit of a hooting. Hooting? A shooting warm stretch right now. Uh, three threes and a steal. His usage about to take a nosedive, so get what you can for him while you can. Very interesting keeper dynasty type of guy, but uh, uh, from this year's standpoint, you're looking at Beasley back in a little over a week, uh, and Russell probably not, maybe right about that same timeline, so things are about to get a pretty good shakeup. In Minnesota, Lakers side, Montrez continues to be the guy 
elevating his game with no Anthony Davis for the foreseeable future. Taylor Horton Tucker has stepped up in a big way with no Alex Caruso. I don't have the stones to stream THT, so I've basically left the Lakers alone. Outside of LeBron and Montrez, I don't I don't trust Kuzma. I don't trust Schroeder. There's just, you know, a defense first team. They scored 137 points, and really LeBron, Montrez, and then THT were kind of the only guys who had serviceable fantasy games. That's wild. You would think in 137-point showing, you'd get more than three guys with sort of above-the-cut-line type fantasy games, but really, they didn't. Anyway, earlier games on the card were certainly the more fantasy-relevant ones, but damn, that was a fun Tuesday. A lot of the stuff we talked about came to fruition. Those are those days where you can kind of sit back in your chair and just go, ah, we got one. We got one. We hooked them. We hooked them this week. Strong week for Fantasy NBA Today. I told you guys I was going to focus on recruiting on today's show, and that is what I'm doing. So again, if you're interested in social or DFS, please do shoot me a line over here at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Friend me on Top Shot, I think. Can you do that? Someone tell me. Someone let me know. Can you, like, have buddies? I don't know. How do I I, uh, see other people? You could do it, can't you? I honestly don't know. Someone's going to have to teach my old butt how to do this stuff. Friend me over there. I can't, can't believe you sent me a P.J. Tucker moment. That's so damn funny. Um, also, shout out to our partners here on uh, Fantasy NBA Today. Our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Open up an account with promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, and make that first deposit and let me know you did. I got a gift for you. If you make your first deposit over at mybookie.ag, March Madness is starting. For goodness sake, let's go crazy with our wager pass, guys. They got plays up already. Devin's Today in Sports Betting episode today breaks down two of the uh, regions. He did the other two yesterday. If you guys are going to be wagering on March Madness, you absolutely must listen to Devin on Today in Sports Betting. That is critically important. But I said I was going to just push recruiting on you today and our partners so again mybookie.ag is the website promo code over there is hoopball shout out as well to manscaped.com promo code hoopball20 get your male grooming on over there uh and expressvpn.com forward slash hoopball we haven't mentioned them in a little bit uh you can get 15 months of vpn service for the price of 12 Oh, do rate and review the podcast by the way don't stop doing that just because our contest is over shout out to our winner tommy Uh, He got his prize, or it's coming here in the next hour or two, and I will remind you guys of our next contest again tomorrow and then over the weekend. That's going to be a big thing that I throw onto your heads because uh, I I need the Fantasy NBA Today big crew. I need you warriors to go and light up today in sports betting for me. That's that's a big one. That's going to be a big difference maker for us in growing that podcast and also our sports wagering division here at Hoopball. Great guys working really hard over there right now. Big card tonight, 10-gamer. Again, we're going to keep it fantasy on this one. Brooklyn at Indiana. Mostly watching Karis LeVert, but really also watching TJ McConnell. Got to see if he can find his way with the new arrangement on a team that's severely underperforming now. Got off to a good start this year, and they've just... Falling off a cliff. With Brooklyn, nothing. 
Milwaukee, Philadelphia, not a whole lot to pay attention to over there. Brooke Lopez kind of ramping up his game here lately. Sacramento at Washington. Yes, important game. Uh, I was tracking Nemanja Bielitsa and how many places he was getting picked up, and the answer was not very many. His roster ship only went up by about 2% over the last two days since Marvin Bagley's injury. So there's still a window for most of you. He's added in like 60-ish percent of my uh, competitive league. So if that's the number on my competitive leagues, that means he's probably available in most many, I should say, of your leagues out there. Uh, If he gets the starting nod, I think you have to add him before you even see how the game goes. Meaning, if they announce him taking Marvin Bagley's place in the starting five, that's basically Sacramento's way of saying, look, we're going to give this guy you know, 27-ish minutes. And we've seen it before. In 27 minutes, he's a top 80, top 90, top 80 fantasy player. Of course, he could be traded in the next eight days, and that would blow all of that up. And then I truly don't know what the Kings do at that point. Now, the Kings could opt to start Tyrese Halliburton, in which case, Bielitsa probably doesn't become a thing. But you kind of, you almost need to be out in front of this one a little bit. Be ready for the Kings to announce their starting lineup and make your move at that juncture. Washington side is a big I don't care. Toronto, sounds like they're getting some guys back, possibly. Freddie Van Fleet considered questionable. I believe Pascal Siakam is also questionable. OG Ananobi is still out. So uh, they may be seeing some bodies coming back, and that'll be rather helpful for a team that has desperately needed them. Toronto's just been getting slapped around by everybody. They lost to these same Pistons by some 20-odd points before the All-Star break when everybody was hurt, or COVID, I should say. Pistons side, no real surprises there. Uh, DeLon Wright, I I guess the only thing you're wondering is, is Wayne Ellington going to play? Because if he doesn't, then you'll see a whole lot of Josh Jackson points league usage stuff going on. So that's also a relatively interesting ballgame, but not nearly as much as what's going on with Sacramento. Boston, not really interesting right now. Cleveland, same general story, unless suddenly we get a Kevin Love is going to try to play type of report, but I don't expect it. Warriors in Houston, Christian Woods return. We just talked about that during our recap portion of the proceedings. Um... You know, generally when a team gets a guy back, I fade them, but I just can't imagine the Rockets being any worse than they've been lately. I'm not touching this game with a 50-foot pole. Warriors favored by 12 on the road. Whoa, that's a big number. Whoa. Fantasy-wise, with Oladipo out and Wall out, and we don't know what's going on with Daniel House, but even if he plays, I can't imagine it would be huge minutes. Thika can feel pretty safe tonight trotting out Jay Sean Tate and Sterling Brown and K.J. Martin and definitely Kevin Porter Jr. because he's going to get all he can handle with no other real ball handlers available on the team this evening. So this is a a shot to use most of those guys. And the beauty part is, even if it's a blowout, there's no one else that can play. Spurs at Chicago. I I love Bulls games these days. They're actually fun this year, and I love watching Thad orchestrate for that team. Curious what goes on with Sadoransky against a better opponent in San Antonio. Curious what goes on for Kobe White for you points leaguers out there. I think uh, you'd love to see him get a little bit more. You know, coming off the bench, you'd think the usage would be higher for him, but that hasn't been the case so far. Spurs side, I still want to know what the hell they're doing with their power forward minutes. Is it just going to be Keldon's job? Are they sliding him up a bucket? I don't know. 
It's a tracker. We're tracking it. I'm not convinced Keldon Johnson is a guy you need to have on your roster the rest of the way, but he's working on it. He had a slightly better ball game last time out, and if his minutes really do stay in the 30s, then well, that'll buy him some more time. Especially because the Spurs have a ton of games left. So even if he's like a top 115 type, he could compile his way to you know top 80-ish, top 70, top 80 numbers the rest of the way just because he's going to play three, four more games than most of the other guys out there. Charlotte, they're pretty much healthy these days. I think the only thing you're monitoring is Devontae Graham's minutes as they tick up. Denver, I have a soft spot for Paul Millsap, but I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on it. That's that's a guy I'm watching because if he gets his game back, he could be a very interesting nine-cat roto dude. Miami, curious if they rest anybody uh, on the back-to-back here. Memphis, just please play DeAnthony Melton, you jerks. And then the Clippers and the Mavs in a rematch. Serge Ibaka, questionable for this ballgame right now. We'll see if he gets back in there. If he doesn't, you can roll out of Itza Zubats for another 35-minute performance. That was really something. Mavericks, Josh Richardson, he's been above the cut line lately. So I know his last game against the Clips was a slow one, but until he gives me a reason to move him back off of the ad list, add him and roll him out there. He's been pretty good lately. After being very boring for... December, January, and most of February kind of woke up right before the All-Star break. And I do still wonder, with some of these guys, like Maxi Kleba's also looked better lately, these are guys that were out for weeks on the COVID list. I think it's quite conceivable that these guys are just finally getting their season conditioning in now. I mean, those guys went down early. Remember, short off-season, uh... Guys were slow to, to get going, and then those guys missed two weeks with COVID, and then they came back, but they weren't the same. It's very possible that my Josh Richardson hatred earlier this year was a bit misplaced, that it wasn't his game that was gone. It was his energy. If that's the case, I apologize. But look, we react to what we're seeing in the games, in the box scores. He didn't look like himself, and now he's starting to look like himself again. So if he's floating around out there, Throw them on your roster. Have some fun with it. See where it goes. Rate and review the pod. Enjoy the games. I think the NIT starts tonight. What the hell do I know about college basketball, though? Uh, enjoy all of it. Let's have some fun. Tomorrow, uh, we will pivot back away from the recruiting pitch, and I'm going to lay into you guys Thursday show and Friday show on the big new promo we've got going on. It's another rate and review promo, but it's not on this show. Still... You know, rate and review this show, if, uh, even though there's no contest going right now. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. We will talk to you tomorrow morning. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.